0: Well, hey, friends, it is so good to be with you. I love Hillside. It's my favorite church on planet Earth because I grew up here, and I love Derwin, and I love the team. And as nice as it is to be with you via video, there's a part of me that's a bit sad that we didn't get to do this in person. I was here last summer, and I love spending time with you. And for those that don't know me, I think Derwin gave a bit of an introduction, uh, but I'm a church planner, which is the wildest thing. We moved to Vancouver a few months ago, and a bunch of us have moved to Vancouver uh, because we believe that God's on the move. And we just want to get in on the action there. We feel called there uh, to join with the other churches that are doing great work there to try to make Vancouver a better place to live for everyone in the name of Jesus. And that's what you're doing here at Hillside is making the Tri-Cities a better place to live for everyone in the name of Jesus. So I'm a church planner and I also work with Alpha. And Alpha is all about creating spaces for people that might not typically go to church to have a chance to explore life's biggest questions. And I just find myself now more convinced than ever, especially in light of COVID-19, that people are looking for two things. One is they're looking for community, and we're going to talk a bit more about that in a bit. And they're really looking for a place to explore life's biggest questions in a place that's non-threatening and not charged. Like so much of the online dialogue, it's not deep, it's just politically charged. So what would it look like to create spaces, whether online or in person, where people can come and talk about life's biggest questions? That's why we do Alpha. But way more important than my work with Alpha, way more important than my work at the church, is I'm a father to Hudson, who's turning seven next week, to Mary, who just turned five, and Millie, who will turn three at the end of the summer. And I'm a husband to Rachel, and we just celebrated 11 years of being married together. And I had a flashback recently. Uh, I was, it was the, a very sad moment. Some of you might empathize with this. Uh, I remember when I was dating Rachel, she showed up at my house one day, and without any expectation, I thought things were going great she dumped me and she dumped me so hard and it was so bad and i went to a dark dark place now you know the end of the story like i got her back it's all great but that was a dark season and i was studying at sfu at the time and so my buddy jared used to pick me up in his mom's dodge neon every day for university and then this time it was like such a dark place for me so i just would wake up in the morning i was so discouraged and i'd roll out of bed and i knew jared would come in i'd get in his car And one day i get into his car i look at jared and i'm like jared you look rough And he's like, yeah, dude, this breakup has been really hard on me. I'm like, hard on you? Like, this is hard on me. He's like, dude, I'm not sleeping. Uh, Like, I'm just struggling. And uh, he goes, open the glove compartment. And some people watching this reference is going to be lost on you, but some of you remember this. He goes, I made you a mix. And so he goes, open that up. And so I pull a CD out of the, the glove compartment. And there's a mix that says Jared or Jason's breakup mix. I put it in. It's like boys to men. It's all these sad songs. And Jared and I just went on together on our, uh, on our way up to school, just so sad together. And here's what I love about that, is Jared's the kind of friend that when I was hurting, he was hurting. Now, Jared had the worst advice at this time. Like, I remember, like, he'd be like, listen, dude, things are going to be fine. Like, there's tons of other people. He's like, no, nah, there's no one out there like Rachel. Like, you're not. And like, worst advice ever. Like, just bad advice. But he was there with me, hurting when I was hurting And I don't know how you define friendship. and I think it can be difficult to define what makes somebody a great friend. Uh, But I think we'd all agree that a guy like Jared, who hurts when you hurt and is there with you in the hurt, is a good friend. And I want to talk today on the subject of friendship. And I think it's interesting to talk about friendship today because it's, I guess there's a bit of a paradox at play. Because the word friend like, was appropriately grabbed or maybe inappropriately grabbed by social media platforms to talk about the connections we have online. And so we live in the most connected moment in human history. One person called millennials the connected generation. It's the most connected time in human history. Like if you go on your Facebook or Instagram or whatever platform you're on, you're more connected than you've ever been. But here's what's interesting. Statistically speaking, there is a deficit of friendship. People struggle to find good friends. This is some American data, but I think it applies in Canada as well. It says 61% of Americans are lonely, 2019 report said. In 2018, it was 54%, so you see the increase. The same year, 2019, 47% said they sometimes or always feel that their relationships are not meaningful. That was up from 43% the year before. 58% said sometimes or always they feel like no one knows them well again, up from the year before. The UK has officially appointed a minister of loneliness. As we did research moving to the city of Vancouver and planting a church there, we discovered that one of the biggest epidemics in the city of Vancouver is loneliness. And recent research says that people feel like they cannot find real friends. The bottom line is this. We've got lots of acquaintances, but great friends are hard to find. And it's interesting because friendship is something so essential to life on planet Earth. And it's something that we all experience, but I feel like we don't talk about it a lot. Like we haven't worked to build a definition and a framework and an understanding for what this means. And it's so essential. It's so essential to living on planet Earth. Proverbs 18, 24 says this. It says, one who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin, but there is a friend that sticks closer Than a brother. And I think we all resonate with that. We know what it's like when we don't have that support network around us. Life can feel fragile and unstable. But scripture gives us a vision for friendship, a vision for a friend that's closer than a brother. Great friendships do not come easy. They're cultivated more than they're stumbled into. You don't stumble into a great friendship. It's cultivated over time. And they're fought for more than they're given for granted. But they are possible. And no matter what your track record is, I believe that one of the things that God wants to do in your life, I really believe this, I believe that a relationship with Jesus makes great friendships possible. He wants to do internal work in your life that would allow you to enter into friendships and receive from them and give in them in a whole new way. I really believe that that's what God wants for us. And the gospel in a unique and profound way. And if I do my job this morning, hopefully I'll be able to do this. I want us to see that as we see the picture of Jesus and the way that he's the friend that our souls need, that that unlocks the ability for us to make the kind of friendships that change our lives and change others. So very simple. Here's what I want to do this morning. It's a real simple roadmap. I want to do a few things. I want to talk about five things that great friends do. Just five things that great friends do. And for context, I'm talking specifically about, like, our closest friends. Like, we have a lot of acquaintances. We talked about that. And there's lots of friends. But I'm talking about those closest friends. I'm talking about what are... What do we need those friendships to look like, those most intimate ones, the ones that like know our heart and we're shaping theirs, that know our dreams for the future and we're shaping theirs? I'm talking about those closest friends. So I want to talk about five things that great friends do. And as we do, I want you to ask three questions of each. Three questions. Question number one: Am I that kind of friend? Am I that kind of friend? We're gonna look at five things that great friends do. And the first question we gotta ask is, am I that friend? The second question is, do I have friends in my life like that? Who are those people who are those kind of friends for me? And number three, let's consider how Jesus is the supreme example of each of these in our lives. Is that cool? You with me? We're good? Here we go. Number one, great friends give with no strings attached. Great friends Give with no strings attached. In other words, they don't keep score. Now, we love to keep score. Like humans, by nature, we love keeping score. We learn this at a young age. Like as kids, you learn like, he didn't invite me to his birthday party, so I don't have to invite him to mine. And, like, obviously we get more mature, but then we make, like, our wedding lists, right? And we go, well, she didn't invite me to her birthday party, so I'm or her, <laughs> her birthday party. She didn't invite me to her wedding, so I don't have to, like, spend 50 bucks or 100 bucks or whatever it is for a seat at mine. Like, we begin to keep score. But obviously those are trivial examples, but it gets deeper. Like, we start thinking, she wasn't there for me in a time of need. So I don't need to be there for her. Like we keep score. And this is so toxic. And when we keep measuring relationships, what have they done for me? What have I done for them? This brings toxicity into our relationships. But great friends, they don't keep score. They give with no strings attached. Here's the thing. If in relationships, if in your best friendships, you're keeping score, you never know where you stand with that person. And if you're in a relationship, and some of you have felt this, and you know this feeling, you might only know this feeling, that you're always wondering, do they really love me? Like, even if I don't bring this to the table, will I really be loved? And when there's that element of earning, there isn't really love. In friendships where you don't keep score, where you feel totally secure to give with no expectations of return, and you feel totally secure to receive help and care and love, without having to pay back that debt, we get a taste of the kind of love that God has for us. The love of God has no conditions. On the cross, we see the supreme example of God giving with no strings attached. Now, here's the thing, side note here. There's a big difference between not keeping score and being taken advantage of. Like, it's, um, that's not what I'm talking about. That's, a, it's a, that's not friendship. If there's no reciprocity, if there's no care and generosity going both ways, that's not a friendship that's being taken advantage of. I'm talking about something different. I guess what I'm saying that is in great friendship, generosity and kindness, it's going both ways, but it's not contractual and it's not measured. And I learned this a lot from my friend, Jamie. Jamie is the friend that gives with no strings attached. He's so quick to help. He's the guy you call when you're in need. He's the guy you call when you need someone to listen. And just recently, Jamie... And his wife, they bought a house in Pitt Meadows, and they were doing some renovations. And he threw out a text to a group of, like, 10 guys and said, Hey, guys, I've got to redo my driveway. I've got a cement truck coming, and I need to, like, unload all to my backyard in an hour. And every single guy, and all these guys on this group message are busy. They've got jobs. They've got family. There's lots going on. But everyone said yes right away. Why? Because Jamie has so consistently been the guy that was there for us that, of course, when that time comes, you want to jump on it. But here's the thing after like 20 years of friendship with Jamie. I can never pay him back. I can never outfriend him. He's given so much. And here's the beauty. He's not keeping score. And I learned so much about friendship from him. My friend Grant, um, he approached this unique season in his life. And uh, he he was given the opportunity you know, before retirement age, to take a season off of work. And so he made this kind of bucket list of things that he wanted to do, kind of these, like, life goal, life dream things. And uh, trips he wanted to go on, things he wanted to accomplish. And recently, after he stepped down from this role and entered into this season of kind of freedom, one of his best friends, um, I don't know exactly what happened, but essentially there was some sort of issue, like whether it was a disease or an injury in his brain that caused him to be in a terminal state and losing body function. So Grant decides that a few days a week he's going to move in and provide care for him, dignity for him, fully knowing that his friend will never be able to pay him back. Like he just says, like, my friend's terminal. Like, this is never going to come back my way. But he just gives up all those dreams and says, I'm going to be there for my friend as he needs him. And here's the thing, you're that kind of friend. You would do that. But I think so often life stakes don't feel that high. And so we can actually give into the rut of keeping score. We can give into the rut of putting strings and attachments and keeping score in our relationship. And it's toxic, it's toxic. And God wants to invite us into a picture of friendship. That is a giving with no strings attached. And you know what one of the best ways that we give with no strings attached is? We show up. Great friends don't always have the resources. They don't always have the skills or the advice that people need, but they can show up. They give the gift of presence. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12 says this, two are better than one because they've got a good return for their labor. And this is like a really pragmatic kind of agrarian culture image. And it's like, yeah, two are better than one. Good return on their labor. Super practical. But then it says this, and it's like deceptively sad. Listen to this, verse 10. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Pity the one who falls, has no one to help them up. Good friends, they show up. They get there. My friend Landry taught me this rule. He taught me that you don't have to have the answers You don't have to have the resources, but when a friend's in need and a friend's going through something, a high or a low, you get there you show up. Even when he was on the other side of the world, living in Australia, like it was on the phone. It was getting present on FaceTime or Zoom or whatever it is. And even in this time of COVID, it can feel like, I don't know how to be present, but you, you can be present. Like that phone call, that like checking in on someone. You don't have to have the answers, but presence is the biggest gift that we can give. Good friends the give no strings attached. And one of the best things that we can give is our presence. Okay. Remember I told you we're going to do five things. I took a long time on number one. I'm going to move a lot quicker through the next ones, or else we'll be here for a long time. But three questions we're going to ask. First, am I that friend? Am I the friend to others that doesn't keep score? Do I give with no strings attached? Number two, do I have friends like that? Do you have friends in your life that you can receive care from, support from, and you don't feel like you owe them a debt And number three, how do we see this in Jesus? And and Jesus demonstrated this in his whole life, that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Before we did a thing, before we had a good intention in mind, he made the first move. And when that takes root in the heart of a follower of Jesus, it sets us free from the need to keep score with others. Okay, number two. Number one, great friends, they give with no strings attached. They don't keep score. Number two, great friends are in it for the long haul. I can do this one really quick. Great friends are in it for the long haul. There are seasonal friendships, and that's fine. You, you know, you might do an internship somewhere for a summer. You're going to have a friend for that summer. It's okay for that not to be a lifelong friend. You might, you know, have a neighbor while you live by them. There's a friendship there. But those aren't those most intimate friends, because great friends are there for the long haul. They're there through the seasons. And we need those long haul friendships. Friendships that are there long enough to see us through the seasons of life, the good and the bad. People that know each other long enough to get to know the real you and you know the real them. And I think in order to have friendships that are there for the long haul, there has to be a moment of decision. Or maybe let me me rephrase it. Maybe not a moment of decision. What am I getting at here? For us to have friendships that are there for the long haul, there has to be a decision in your heart that I'm committed to this person. And that's how what makes the first one possible. It's like, hey, we went past like earning a thing. We're committed in the long haul because as you live long enough and you have probably, you realize that life gets hard and friendships are not always as fun as they were in high school. Or they're not always as fun as they were in the summer. Or they weren't as fun as they were that decade. Why? Because you go through stuff. You make mistakes you find success, you get married, maybe you experience divorce, health issues, addiction. And those friends that have been with you through the seasons, it's black and white. And that kind of friendship, the friendships that are in it for the long haul are the ones that we need. Like, and I've just seen this in my own life. Like, I reflect on a season a number of years ago where I just, you know, I was low. I don't know if it was circumstantial or it was my own health, but I was not fun to be around. And it's like the friends that were there through that season, I mean, friends come and go, but there were the friends that were there before, they're the ones that get you through it. And if, if, if there's not friends that can see you when you're low, you know, that they don't know the real you, you need those friends to help bring you out. So great friends, they're in it for the long haul. And I'm not talking about frequency, Like, there are friendships that you might see them every day at work. I'm talking about the friends that you might not see every day. It might be once a month. I mean, this is life. But they've been there through the years. And what we're trying to do this morning is get, like, texture in our imagination to kind of bring, like, flesh on the bones of what is a picture of a great friendship. And great friendships are kind of have the material. It's like, man, this isn't going anywhere. I am going to be with this person. There's a resolve that I'm not going to bail when this gets hard. And if you never experience friendships like that, I want you to know that's never too late, no matter where you are in life, to start building friendships that are there for the long haul. Okay, we gotta keep moving. Number three great friends, they call the best out of us. Great friends call the best out of us. Like great friends use their words to bring life. You know, those who are closest to us have the most power to call out the best in us. And there's two reasons that. First of all, we value the voice of those closest to us. Like, you know, if I, if I preach a message like this and I walk off the stage, I can get all sorts of feedback from all sorts of people. But I'm looking at my wife, Rachel. was that good? Like, how did I do? Like, the people that are closest to you, their voice is the loudest. And number two, the people that are closest to us are the ones that see us the best. And so they're the best people to call the best out of us. I see this with my kids. Like as I look at my kids and I pray for them, it's like I can see who they're becoming. And maybe God in his kindness even reveals just a glimpse of what's inside of them. And great friends, they call out the best. Like I don't know where I'd be if there weren't people to call out the best in me. I've seen this recently with one of my friends. Like life has just a way of beating people up. And we can believe these internal narratives about ourselves and others and about the future. But you need the voice of a trusted friend to come in and call out the best and give you hope for the future and even hope in yourself. So the question we got to ask this morning is, remember, am I that friend? Like, am I using my words to call out the best in people? I just think for some reason as Canadians, like we're kind, but we're not always good at using our words to pull out the best out of people. Like we say, like, you're nice, you're good, it's good to see you. But like in a friendship, like we have this prophetic power to step into someone's life and call the best out of them. Like to say to someone in your life, you're a great leader. They might not feel like they are, but you speak into life, you see something. I'm not talking about flattery. I'm not talking about making stuff up. I'm talking about real things you see that they might not see. You're a great leader. You're a great mom. You're a great dad. You're creative. You're thoughtful. You're kind. You've got such a way with words, you know? You're so good at solving problems. You were made to impact others for good. I see your humility behind the scenes. I see your sacrifice. I see your passion for Jesus. I see how you're growing and you're, you're finding growth in your life. You're valuable to me. The world wouldn't be the same without you. God's got a call on in your life. You're gonna make it. You can make a difference. Your family's gonna make it. You're gonna turn this corner. Man, it is so powerful When friends use their words to pull life out of others. Great friends, they give with no strings attached. They're in it for the long haul. They call out the best. Number four, great friends. It's all been positive up to here. Here's a tougher one. Great friends say hard things. There's this verse in Proverbs, and we've been in Proverbs and Ecclesiastes and the wisdom literature. And there's this verse in Proverbs that a first pass doesn't seem wise but here's what it says. It says, better is open rebuke than hidden love. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. What are these wounds from a friend? Wounds from a friend are tough words given in love. We all have blind spots in our life. I don't think anyone watching this would be like, no, no, no blind spots in my life. No areas of growth, no blind spots. But here's the thing about a blind spot. You're blind to them, right? Like in a car, the whole idea of a blind spot is if you don't like overcompensate and check, you can't see it. And as we're trying to grow as human beings, and for those of you who are followers of Jesus, you're trying to mature in Christ. One of the primary ways that God's grace is revealed in your character development is by bringing people into your life to challenge you and sharpen you. So who are the friends that are saying the hard words to you? When was the last time that somebody came and gave you a hard word and you said, thank you so much? Because for me, it mostly sounds like defensiveness, walls up, but great friends, they say hard things. We need friends that will say hard things. I remember my buddy Jeff, he and I were working at a shop one night on like a hobby project. And at the time, we were working out of the same office space. And uh, he said, hey, Jay, can we chat? And that's always a bad sign when someone says, can we chat when you had been talking? Because it means there's something like loaded about to come up. So he goes, hey, can we chat? I said, of course, you know. And he goes, um, you know, he, we work in the same office. And he goes, I just don't know, Jay, if you understand how sometimes your intensity and passion feels for others. It can feel sometimes like you care more about the project than people. And that intensity can sometimes feel like um, like hard and unkind. And everything inside of me in that moment wanted to defend myself. And I've got all the techniques. Like, oh, 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 like get, get more specific. Like if I can just be like, oh, like, oh, that occasion, oh, That was just a tough day for me, you know? Or to be like, you know what? I don't like how he said that. I don't like how he called me up. And you go like, well, you know, it might be true, but you know, I didn't like how you brought that up to me. But here's the deal. Like there's no good way to bring up a tough word. There's no perfect way, but we've insulated ourselves by saying like, you don't have the right. Or we say like, who are you to say that to me? Walls up. And we've become professional at insulating our lives from any tough word. But here's the thing. Like if our friends won't tell us the truth, then we're blind. And so we have to beg people that love us and see us and know us to tell us the truth. I mean, my buddy Landry calls me recently and he goes, Jay, like, I see how busy you are. This was about a year ago and I was traveling lots." And he goes, I'm just calling to ask, how are things going at home? Like with Rach and the kids. I'm like, that's not an easy phone call for him to make. And that's not an easy question to answer. But he loves me enough and loves my family enough to call and say the hard word. And here's what's scary. Like, I'm not hearing that enough from my friends. And so we have to let people in. Like, I I think the wrong application of this point would be us going around from here and be like, oh man, I'm just going to lay it down on all my friends now. No, that's not the point. The point is, I'm on a journey. How do I let friends into my life? And then in the right moments, at the right time, to have the courage to prayerfully, thoughtfully, lovingly come alongside someone you love, And say what you see. Because there's blind spots. Great friends. They say hard things. And I'd love to spend, if I had more time with you, I'd love to spend more on this point because I feel like this is the one that we can get wrong, but we need the most. I just say this, like two pieces of practical advice. One is, if you want to grow, you had to ask your friends in your life that you trust to speak into your life. You got to ask them and then ask them again. So I've made it a rule in my life. Every time I hear about another pastor having an affair or using power in a manipulative way, I just call one friend and I say, I just want you to know you had open access to my life. If you see anything. And I'm not saying it's their responsibility. It's my responsibility to tend to my life. But I just... Want it, I use it, it's just a trigger I've built. I just need to call someone and say, "Hey, you've got permission." And then practically, if you feel like you need to give a word to somebody, to give a hard word, to say something hard, just pray about it a ton. Like go to the Lord with it. Pray out the self righteousness. Pray out all of the part of you that might have mixed motives, and get to the place where you know I just it's out of love that I want to tell this person. And then beg God to fill your eyes with compassion. that even if you don't get the words right they'll see in your eyes that you love them okay number five (laughs) you're doing great number five great friends they point us to jesus great friends they point us to jesus and i'm talking today i told you at the beginning about our closest friends please don't mishear me i think it's really important that if you're a follower of jesus that you have lots of friends meaningful friends that don't know jesus So that's not what I'm talking about. I fill my life with friends that don't know Jesus. I just love it. It's one of my favorite things about moving to Vancouver, these new friends that have never been to church before. It's it's wonderful, and I'm learning so much, and I'm enjoying it so much. But when it comes to our closest friends, like the most intimate friends, like the ones that you're going to to shape decisions, the ones that you're going to share your private dreams, the ones when you're wrestling with life decisions, you know, like that you go to, you need those closest friends to be people who have a heart after God. Like, just think about, like, if you're trying to make a career decision, you've got a choice between a job that's full of purpose and meaning and is in line with your gifts and passions or a job that pays a ton of money. You need the friend that says, no, go after the th- go after the kingdom stuff. Don't Who cares? You need that friend that's aligned with you, you know? And you need those friends that when you get around them, they point you to Jesus. Because Christianity is not a solo sport. Like, we can't do this alone. And you felt this during COVID. Like, just... You know, sometimes we take even Sundays for granted and gathering together, but we feel it right now. Man, like just to hear someone else worship, to hear someone open the Bible, talk about what they're learning. It makes such a difference, but it has to go beyond services, has to go beyond Sundays. We need those friends who see the darkest parts of our lives to encourage one another in Jesus, in the day-to-day stuff of life. I think about like, remember before I was married, one of my roommates, I had a rough day at work, and um, I came home, and he could see that I was carrying, like, a burden. And he's like, how are you doing, man? And I was like, oh, I'm fine. But he knew I wasn't fine. And uh, he came and sat beside me, and uh, he just put his hand on my shoulder and started praying. God, I just pray that you just give Jay peace. And it just made all the difference for me. Because it's so hard in life when there's stress or pain or success or whatever it is to like see Jesus through it all. We need people that like, go point us to Jesus. Like who's the friend that if you get in the same room as them, you know you're going to fall more in love with Jesus. And you what's know, interesting. I've discovered that that friend always isn't the person that you have the same taste in music with, the same hobbies as, but those closest friends, it's got to be more than fun. Who's the person that when you get around them, you want to love Jesus more? There's two questions that I think could transform your Christian friendships. The first question is, how are things going with you and God? We've gotta find a way, if God isn't part of our conversation with our closest friends, to bring it up. Because we have something to learn on the other side of a question like that. You know, there's friends we can talk about what we're learning in God together. The struggles what are you reading in scripture? What's God teaching you these days? So first question, like how are things with you and God? I almost would be like, hey, just rehearse that a couple times so that when you're with your closest friends, you can just say, you know, maybe you're sitting around and you finished dinner and you got a glass of wine and you just go, how are things with you and God? I mean, because I've just been like, my wife and I sitting there with other Christian couples and we just sit around and we just talk and it's like, what's different about this relationship? What's the point? It's like, no, there's something, there's a treasure to like grow in God together. So first question is like, You know, how are things going with you and God? Another question you could ask is this Hey, can I pray for you? You got to practice it. Like, just get it deep inside of you. You're on the phone, you're in person. Like, you know, because what do good friends do? They vent about work, they vent about stuff going on, they talk about how hard things are with their kids or at home or money or whatever. And that's great. And you listen and you say that's the worst. And you're a good friend and you listen and you listen and you listen. But before you hang up the phone, before you leave, here's a powerful question that will transform your life Hey, can I pray for you? You don't have to be a pastor. You don't have to be articulate. You don't even have to have the words. Just say, God, you know how much I love my friend. And you heard everything we just talked about. Just pray that your love and your power would just be with them right now. Comfort them, help them, strengthen them. And I just think like the kingdom of God is so real and so active and his presence and the way he wants to grow and mature us and just the way he's organized the world. We don't do it alone. We don't do it in a cave. We do it with friends. Three questions. Am I that friend? Just now as we wrap up our time together, just wanna ask the question, are you the kind of friend who gives with no strings attached? Who's in it for the long haul? Who calls out the best? Who's willing to say the hard thing and points others to Jesus? And I'm just so keenly aware right now as I'm talking about this that I'm not always that friend. This isn't about perfection, but I think it's appropriate for us to just do a reflection and then maybe there's some repentance to do. Maybe this is about like doubling down on our convictions, but I just want to pray for that. I want to pray for each of I just want to pray for that first. Just if you want to pray with me, Lord Jesus, I just pray that you would help us become the kind of friends that point people to Jesus, bring out the best in others. God, we just ask for your grace and mercy where we've let like fickle, trite things sneak in and wreck our ability to be a great friend. And I just pray you would help us. God, I'm just desperate for your help. I'm just so aware right now of how I fall short. But God, I just pray that by your spirit, you'd empower me to be a great friend. Number two, do I have friends like that? I think one of the things that's difficult is there's sometimes a realization that sometimes the friendships we're in aren't healthy. And I wrestled like, do we talk about great friendships knowing that it could feel like some people are feeling like, well, I don't have friends like that? Like the stats say that most of us experience loneliness and don't have real friends. But I believe that, that this is something that we can long for. So they don't, you don't stumble into them, they're cultivated. But we have to have a vision for what great friendships look like. And if you don't have friends that are, are like pouring into your life at all, that you feel like you don't know where you stand, all these things, I saying, man, keep looking for new friends. Don't settle. God has better for you. I'm not saying write off people. I'm just saying like cultivate those deeper friendships. And it's something that's cultivated over time. So I want to pray for you for that. God, I just pray for everyone right now that there's really a sense of longing um, that maybe even a sense of sadness and sorrow in this conversation. God, I pray for each person who's lonely, who feels isolated, who feels like no one knows the real them. God, I pray that you'd bring great friendships into their life. You bring great friends in their life. God, I pray you give them to the eyes to see, the people you brought into their life that maybe like, don't fit the mold they had in mind, but you bring people in their life that pull out the best in them, challenge them, point them to you. And lastly, number three question we're going to ask is, how do we see Jesus in each of these things? Jesus is the great friend that gives with no strings attached. Jesus is in it for the long haul. His promises are eternal. You're never going to mess up so bad that he gives up on you. Maybe you have feel like you've fallen flat in your walk with God, and you're like, I don't know if I can begin again, I just want you to know you can begin again. He's in it for the long haul with you. He's not short-term thinking with you. He's in it for the long haul, and he's calling out the best in you. He made you with gifts and a purpose, and his spirit that fills our lives, it pulls out the best in us, and he's not afraid to say the hard things. He's got the courage. You open his word, and it It's like a mirror that shows the truth and it's a powerful guide for our life. Like we need that guide. And that's what we find in Jesus and his word. And Jesus is the ultimate supreme mediator to the heavenly father. Like Jesus made a way despite all of our sin through his life, through his death and his resurrection, he conquered sin. He beat the devil. He took the fangs out of death and he's made a way for us to know our heavenly father. He is the friend that we need. And I don't know like how you found this link this morning, Wherever you're at in your walk with God, whether you're far from him or feel close, I just want to pray that you would open up your heart in a fresh way to a friendship with Jesus. Lord God, for everyone listening, this morning we say, God, we're open to you. Jesus, we thank that you made a way for us to connect with God. And God, we just say we need you in our life. We can't do life without you. So God, we open up our hearts and we say, come on in. In the name of Jesus. Amen.